Um, embarrassing though. Uh, man, it's, I love watching the kids up here, you know, and, uh, for, for those who don't know, I, I started a church about, uh, 21 years ago, and, uh, you know, when you're at a place for a long time, you get to see kids, and you get to see them grow up, and you remember, you know, you go, man, I remember when you were standing up there, and you were that one kid, you know, that was either screaming out, or that other one that was running off to his mom, you, you remember, and now they're in college, or they're doing this or that, and I had the pleasure of seeing, like, kids like that, then head off into the mission field. And you go, no way, you know. I, I mean, I, I, I just think of different stories of these different kids. And I go, God, what are you going to do through her and her and her? And even, even when my wife was pregnant with, her, uh, with our oldest child, who's in college right now, uh, one of our best friends, she was pregnant also. And, and I remember the, the doctor telling her, oh, the baby died in your womb. You know, there's no heartbeat. And so they did the whole DNC, you know, to, to extract the baby. And, and they're like, gosh, we didn't get it all. We, we don't, you know, just a sad, sad thing. So it's really hard. You feel guilty as you're having this baby. And this other one just lost theirs. And then she goes back to the doctor to see what happened. And the doctor goes, there's a heartbeat now. And ends up having this baby perfectly normal everything you know well, I mean this was crazy stuff and so now to see this girl in college and I go man I remember you know man I remember you were in your mother's womb and, and they told us you were gone and they even did the surgery to extract you but, but kind of had a plan and I, I've never heard of anything like that and to be able to look at this teenage gal this 19 year old and go look there's something crazy insane God has for you on this earth because we've never seen you know so when you're with people you get to see that and then and then to see some of these kids as we're praying for them as they go off in the arms you know force or if they're going off into the mission field and you're going, man, it seemed like just yesterday you're on that stage as this little kid. And, and, and I, you know, so as your kids are being dedicated, as they're singing, man, I'm over there praying for them because as I've seen that, I've also, even last week, as, as early last week, you know, a, a gal called our, our ministry and, and said, you know, Francis might not remember me, but this is my name and I remember her as a little kid and she was calling because she was pregnant strung out on heroin you know and you're going no that can't be you you were up I remember you every single week your family sat there I remember you because it's the early days and I saw that and, and the heartbreak and it's, it's like you see these victories you see these like like the saddest stories where you're going man but and, and, and so much of it is out of our hands, right? As parents, I've seen parents that really tried to live it out, and you see the kids go this other direction. The other times, I see parents that are, aren't even there, you know, and, and, and have completely neglected their kids or left their kids, and the kids go around changing the world, and you're like, man, I don't get this. I don't get this, so let me just get on my face. Let me pray. And, and yet, I do want to say, man, I've seen so many kids, so many parents who once they had kids, that's when they realize, I've got to step it up. 
um, because they're going to get to an age where I can't fake it anymore, right? You know, I, I think about that this week. This week, uh, my, my son started baseball, and I, you know, and they asked me if I would help coach. And so I was like, well, I, I don't really play baseball, but I'll figure it out. And, um, you know, and I'm thinking there's all these other coaches, but more and more it's looking like I'm going to be it. So, uh, so now the pressure's on, right? And so what am I doing last night? YouTubing, how to teach a pitcher to pitch. You know, because I'm realizing my son might be the starting pitcher. Like, he, I'm going, oh, man, I don't know the first thing about pitching. But I'm online going, okay, so you've got to raise that knee towards, towards the shortstop, you know. And I'm just going to fake my way through it, you know. And I'm going to be studying. I'm going to be Googling. You know, I haven't got to how to swing a bat yet. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just... Because it's on me now, okay? I'm coach, and I'm going to have kids looking at me as coach, so I better figure it out. And in the same way, I've seen that happen with so many parents in a great way, is that, yeah, you may have been kind of casual about the God thing, and you may just show up, and, you know, let me, let me throw sprinkle a sprinkle a little uh, religion in there, but you're going to find out soon enough that the kids see through if you don't really know what you're talking about. And so you better start Googling. You better start, you know, going, man, let me figure this out because I'm responsible for this life now. And it's a big, big deal. And it really is over our heads in so many ways, but we do everything we can to figure it out. And I've told you before, with each of my seven children, you know, I pray, you know, and I, you know, just even yesterday, you know, I've got, I've got college age, I've got a three-month-old, I've got everything, and I'm holding my son, and I'm just going, God, this is so out of control, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 47, and this kid's just born, I mean, I don't even know if I'll be around, you know, like, like, I'm not going to be able to protect him, I, I don't, I don't, this is so out of my hands, God. I need you. I need you. I need you. But as long as I'm here, God, I've got to show him something different than what the world sees. I've got to show all my kids something different. You know, now that they're, they're at the age where they're leaving the home, I'm like, man, what impression did I leave on them? Did I show them that, look, a family that follows God, a family that follows Jesus is so different like the way he takes care of us. You saw how mom and dad, how the way God blessed us. You know, you saw how things came together. Like that, that couldn't have been coincidence. And man, it's, it's, it's a big, big calling. And so I would just like to pray for you as parents. I know we prayed for the children, but I, I want to pray for you because, man, it is overwhelming some days, right? When you look at where the world's going and you're going, man, all I want for this kid is God. He's got to follow you. He's got to know you. And that's why I'm throwing some of this out. I'm just telling you right now, from my experience, okay, yes, I have my immediate experience of my seven kids, but I have a greater experience of having pastored thousands and thousands of parents and watching those kids grow up. I'm telling you, they get to an age where they can see through if you're faking it. They get to that age. They all do. We all did, right? We all figured out whether our parents were for real. Why do we think our kids aren't going to see it? 
You know, and so I'm praying for you that you're the real thing, that you're so in love with Jesus, that, that they get to see the answers to prayer in your life. And they see the integrity and they see the relationship of mom and dad and go, I want that. That's what I'm aiming for. That's what I desire. So let me, let me pray for you as parents. Father, this morning I was just struck as I saw these kids, Lord, proclaiming your word and, and just talking about the Bible and how that's the book for me. God, I pray that they say that when they're in high school. I pray they say that in junior high when, when, when everyone's looking at pornography and starting to mess around with each other and, and dabble and experiment, that they would still be saying these words in their head that this is the book for them. It's about your way and that they don't depart from that. God, in high school, when everyone's about popularity and fitting in, God, give them the strength and the courage to go, no, you know, there's one person whose approval I must have and it's yours. God, that they would love you above all things. But God, now, right now, I lift up the parents that they would set that type of example for them in the workplace in the home, in the neighborhood, on the little league teams, you know, the dance troops, whatever else, Father. God, we need you so badly. God, I love my kids so much, and I know these parents do too. And the world is so ugly sometimes, so rebellious against you, and we don't want our kids to go that way. We want them to know you. You know, it seems from your word that that's not up to us. There's something you do. So I'm asking you, Father, please draw these children to yourself in such a real way that even if their parents walk away from you at these kids, they would know you. But God, right now I am praying for the parents, Lord, that, that it may be some of them have made their mistakes I feel terrible about it. I pray that they don't just wallow in that, God, but they would rise up and go, okay, from here on forward, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God, I, I pray that this is a wake-up call to the new parents, that they realize, okay, Lord, I really need you now, because the most important thing is we want to be with our children in your presence one day and to spend eternity with you. And so, Father, I, I, I pray for an anointing on the parents. Lord, we anointed the children, but I'm praying for the parents now. Would you give them wisdom? May we show them your grace, your forgiveness, your sense of righteousness, your sense of justice, your sense of authority and respect. God, may we somehow encapsulate all of who you are as much as, as we can paint a, a servant yet authoritative picture of Jesus by the way we serve and love our kids and yet we lead them. God, help us, Lord. And God, as the world gets busier and busier, may we make time for the things that matter. Don't let us crowd out these relationships. May we be tight with you and so close with our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Gosh, I, this morning I had no plan to talk about parenting at all, but that's, a, that's such a big one, you know? Like I, I, and it's, it's crazy because I, I get it. I, I get in these modes as a dad where, 
man, my life has been so busy and uh, just forcing myself to slow down these last couple of weeks. And God kind of forced me to slow down. You know, they started having some health issues. And it's like, you know what, I get it. Okay. And, uh, and, it's, and it's important, especially as the kids get older. And, and uh, my second two are starting to learn how to drive now. And, and once they start driving, that independence, right? I, I mean, you know, they say, oh, well, you only have your kids for 18 years. And it's like, ah, you really have them for like 14, right? And then they slowly start pulling away. And then once they get the license, it's like, you really have, you know, so it's like, man, let's cherish these times and build into these times and, and take the time to to really live it out before them. Um, but hey, we've been on this series, and <clears throat> gosh, so many thoughts running through my head, and I've got about 20, 25 minutes to share them all. Um, first of all, I want you to know, you know, I've been uh, um, helping out here at ALCF for the last six, seven months or so, um, kind of as a temporary thing and kind of help you through some transitions and, and hoping to set some direction for the future. And I've and, uh, been talking with the elders and, and it, it really, uh, this is kind of going to be my last uh, message for a while um, as, as far as on a regular basis. And I'm praying about what the future is going to look like. But I want to thank you for the time here. And I, my prayer is that the words that I've said... Um, you know, from the Word of God, continue on in your lives. Yeah. I've tried as best I could to make it about the Word and say, man, we reverence the Word about the Lord's Supper. And no, that takes center stage. It's about Him, like He's watching us right now. And I, I want Him to be honored. And when we read His Word, it should be enough just to anyone just read it, for that little kid to read it and, and ask, whoa, that's the Word of God. Let me tremble at it. Let me obey it. What do I do with it? Because too often in churches, we, we just give speeches every week. And then we just kind Oh, that was good. That was good. But where's the action? Like, what do we actually do with it? You know, and do we really need more sermons or do we need to just apply what we already know? And, and most of our children that look up to us, it's not about, oh, he can't quote that many verses. It's, it's more just about, gosh, I don't see him living out the verses he quotes all the time. Right. And, and so as a church, that's been our prayer. So we've tried to, hey, this is not any focus on me. I'm just another messenger given the word, you know, maybe helping out during this time in the in the church's life. And then uh, and then kind of slowly slipping away and and letting the leadership lead. And so, man, I want to thank you for uh, just the openness, the, the kindness that so many of you have shown me and how some of you immediately it was like family, um, even though we don't know this guy. Some of you guys really looked at me that way and have been really encouraging, and I, I want to thank you for that. But I also want to let you know that this is kind of the, 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 the tail end of that, and, uh, and I'm still going to maintain my relationships with the elders. I've gotten to know them pretty well, and some of them have gotten pretty close to, and, uh, and some of your pastors, and so it's, it's nothing weird like that. It's just, you know, we're going to continue those relationships and as brothers, um, but as leaders, I, I, I think... God's calling us to different ministries now. Um, but I wanted to, our hope in this last series, and again, this can be just another preaching series that comes and goes. Like how many hundreds of series have you heard? 
And I, I don't want it to be that because we, we said, look, this is it. If we, this, this whole series on life in the kingdom and how things are supposed to be different here, okay? Like, like people should walk in and see the way we care about each other. It can't be about just walking in and go, wow, the music's really good, or that guy that teaches is really good. That's, that wasn't God's intention. I mean, read the scriptures. According to the scriptures, what was supposed to happen is that people were supposed to marvel at the way we interacted with each other. Like they God never seen love like that before. There wasn't a single person in that church that was in need. Because anytime someone's in need, someone else sells something and takes care of them fine. It, it was concrete stuff. It wasn't just, I love you, brother. Oh, I feel this for you. Hey, you know, be, be warm and well fed. It was it was action. It was like people were literally taken care of. And too often in church, we, we, we speak with these generalities and these obscurities. And it doesn't get down to the bottom line of, okay, we say we love the world. We say we care about people who don't know Jesus. And yet we haven't even spoken the words of the gospel in over a year to anyone who hasn't heard about. And it's like, so, so what does the talk even mean? When we say, oh, I love the people in the church. Well, have you called any of them to see what they needed? You know, that's the stuff that drives me crazy. In churches, we can talk, talk, talk. And, and amen, amen, amen. But then during the week and during Sunday morning, you know, we say, okay, we're supposed to encourage each other. Did you encourage anyone? Did you lift up anyone? Did you pray for anyone this week? You know, where's the practical side? We, we, we said, gosh, we don't want this just to be another series of the one another's. Um, but it actually has to be practiced so that when people walk in and, you know, whether it's here, at your home, any type of gathering, whenever the church people are together. Because remember, church, this is not about church. This is not church. This building is not church. Okay, you yourselves are the church. Okay, if we didn't have this building, we should still be the church. Like I've said before, think gang. Okay, the gangs. Okay, you don't go to gang. Okay, it's something you're a part of, right? And you don't just leave, you know, you don't just walk out of your gang. Trust me, you don't just leave them. You don't just ditch them and go, I'm going to join another gang. I'm going to join the gang down the street. You don't just do that. And we have to have that mindset versus this service that we attend for an hour. That's church. No, look in scripture. That's not church. Man, church was about this group of people. They, they identified with them. Man, think gang. They identify 24-7. These people have their back. And it's so sad that that's a better picture of church than the church usually is. Okay? And so this, this idea of life in, this, in, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom was this idea that, man, it's got to get beyond Sunday morning. It's got to be about these deep, deep relationships where we care for each other. That's what the world is supposed to marvel at. And, and one of the first weeks, I, I spoke about forgiving one another. See, the world should be shocked by the way we forgive. They, they, they should look at the way you forgive and be blown away by you, amazed by you. Like, like that doesn't make any sense. 
And so to, to forget church as the whole, think about you as an individual. Do people get amazed by your forgiveness? When's the last time someone watched you forgive and they were just shocked? Because we represent him. You get that? We're, we're the picture. Like He's looking to us to give a, a visible picture to the world. I can preach on forgiveness all day long. It's when someone sees it in action that they get it. And that was the point in the church. They were supposed to be so baffled by the way we forgive each other. They go, okay, I get it now. Now I understand how he forgave me. Because I'm like, I don't get how can he forgive me of everything I've done. But then I saw you guys interacting. And I go, whoa. We're a picture of Jesus but seriously, when's the last time someone... Because we'll read about Jesus and his forgiveness, and we're amazed, right? The, the Son of God, the Creator, you let your creation spit on you? I mean, as we get into the, the, this Holy Week, you know, we're, we're celebrating Palm Sunday, but what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday... Rejection, 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 rejection. And the Son of God, Almighty God, you know, getting spit on when, when they blindfold him and slap him and punch him and go, hey, who hit you? And throw a crown of thorns on his head and his response as he's nailed to this cross is, Father, forgive them. You go, what in the world? What kind of forgiveness is that? And that's what the world is supposed to see in us. Where it's like shocking. Where it's not like, okay, I'll let go of this. Okay, I'll, I, I, I'm not, I, I, I forget. And, and again, here's where we as a church, again, speak in these abstract things of going, I forgive them. I just don't like them anymore. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm not going to, you know. It, it's not shocking. It's not Christian. You know, Jesus says, well, it's easy to love those who love you. Pagans can do that. What they're going to be shocked by is when you actually love your enemies. When it's that level of forgiveness, he says, then you're going to be like, like the Father, sons of the Father. Then they'll see, okay, that's a son of God there. There's a daughter of God by their forgiveness. So this is a big deal. Right? And, and last time when I spoke about it, I told you I, we didn't go through all the <clears throat> passages I wanted to because I felt like that morning the Lord was saying, look, just read my word. That should be enough. Just, just, just focus on that one verse. Just focus on that one passage. Because it should be enough that in, in Matthew 18, verse uh, 34, it says, In anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay, pay all his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Remember that? We talked about that passage of the unmerciful servant who was forgiven of that huge debt, and yet he still went after someone. And then, uh, you know, the master calls him in and says, okay, now forget it. I take it back. You know what? Uh, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to be put into this prison and you're, you're never going to get out. And then Jesus says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. And we kind of read that and go, what more does there need to be, <laughs> to be said? And I was kind of bummed because I had a whole outline left. 
And so let me do the rest of the outline, because some of you guys are asking, I really have to know that outline before you leave. So here it is. But I'm still saying, I stick to that. That should be, why do we need more than that? <laughs> if, if God's telling me, friends, you better forgive people from the heart if you want me to forgive you. If I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors, that should be enough for me. I'm telling God, forgive me in the same way that I've forgiven this guy. That's what you're praying. So to me, that's all you need, but let me throw some more at you. Why we forgive, why it's different here. You know why, you know why it's different for us? You know why we forgive? Is because we trust that God is in control, even in the most horrific situations. That, see, th this is different from the rest of the world. It's not you did this to me. When you did that to me, was God still on his throne? He was. That's the whole story of Joseph, right? Remember Joseph? He, he was the brother, he was one of 12, and his, his other brothers threw him in a pit, you know, and then sold him off into slavery. And then, 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 you know, and then as he's in slavery, he kind of works his way up. And then Potiphar finally hires him, you know, and, and makes him all powerful. Then his wife, you know, Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of a sin he didn't commit. So he's back in a dungeon. And he's stuck in this dungeon, forgotten. And then somehow God raises him up years later. After years, and think about this. Years as a slave, years in a dungeon, on and on and on, being mistreated. Then finally he rises into power and he's got his brothers in front of him. And he's over them now. And his brothers are terrified. Remember that story? And, and, and then, uh, you know, after his father dies, the brothers start freaking out like, oh man, dad's dead. Joseph's going to kill us now for everything that we did to him. And what does Joseph say in Genesis 50, verse 20? He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph wasn't, he just looked at things differently. He just goes, yeah, you, you may have meant it. You, you guys may have meant it. You, you guys hated me. You, you hated the way dads treated me special. You didn't like my jacket, you know. And, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. But you, I see God's bigger plan in all of this. Like somehow, I, I, I don't know, I needed to be in that prison. I needed to be a servant. I needed to be a slave. And, and somehow it was this big picture where through me, he was going to give me these dreams and I was going to change this whole nation. He goes, see, he was in control all that time. So I'm not going to kill you. It doesn't matter what you meant for it. God meant it for good. You know, it's, it's similar to, to Judas. You know, Jesus knew all along Judas is going to betray me. He knew it from the beginning. So in some ways, yeah, did Judas do it? Yes, Judas is guilty. The brothers are guilty. But from Jesus' perspective, this was the plan all along. Probably one of the most powerful uh, statements is in uh, John chapter 19. This one, in John chapter 19, when uh, Jesus is brought before Pilate. Okay, great that we're looking at this, you know, during Passion Week. 
uh, where we remember the death of Christ. But remember in John chapter 19, this is so important, starting in verse 10, you know, when, when Jesus is arrested and he's standing trial before Pilate, Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You'd have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. This guy's looking at Jesus going, Do you know who I am? I can either release you or kill you. And Jesus says, shoot. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have anything. You gotta, no, you hear me. You, you, this isn't even about you. You wouldn't have any power unless he gave it to you. It's not about you killing me. You're not killing me. If anyone's guilty, it would be the Father. This isn't about you. The Father decided this. The Father wanted this. This is all in His plan. See, this is the way we think. Man, have I been mistreated? I've been lied to? Have I been betrayed? Yeah, but as a Christian, I go, you knew that was going to happen. That's part of the plan. I don't know what it is, Lord. I don't know why that guy stole that from me. I don't know why she said that about me. Somehow it's, it's all in your bigger plan. See, the reason why we forgive is because we believe in a sovereign God. Sovereignty changes everything. The fact that God is in control should change everything. This is why we forgive. One, it's commanded, and that's all we need to know. But two, it's like, come on, we, we don't live like the rest of the world. You think things happen by accident? Joseph wasn't accidentally thrown into a pit. Judas didn't accidentally betray Jesus. Man, and Pilate wasn't accidentally put in power at that time. It's all this, this larger story. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you spending a few years in a dungeon. And so everything in my life, I just go, God planned that. That guy cut me off. He wanted me to learn patience. That lady's driving 20 miles an hour. He wants me to slow down. I, I just look at everything where I go, she's not doing that to me. He's not doing that to me. And that's what Jesus shows me. He goes, you're not doing it to me, Pilate. It isn't even about you. Somehow, God's doing this to me. God wants me to learn this lesson, whether it's from my child or from my ex or from my in-laws. They're not doing it to you. Somehow, God sees fit. He's sovereign. And some of these trials He allows in our life and he says, look, you're going to grow through this. I'm preparing you for something. I'm maturing you through these trials so you're mature and complete at the end of your life. That's what this is about. And so we forgive. It makes forgiveness a lot easier when you realize it's not about me and them. There's a bigger picture going on, and God was in control through this whole thing. And he let it happen. The other reason why we forgive is because we believe in a terrible future judgment. Um, Jesus says, uh, I'm sorry, in, in, uh, Paul writes in Romans <clears throat> chapter 12, verse 9, 
he says some great things, but then if you go to 19, um, he says, uh, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance isn't for us, okay? This, this, we believe in this, this, this judgment, but, 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 but hey, hey, you know, let's, let's be careful here. What I mean by this is not, I'm not going to take vengeance because God's going to get him. No, what I mean when I say, hey, there's a terrifying future judgment, that's why we forgive. It's like, man, as angry as I get at someone, I don't want them to go through the judgment of God. Okay, think about the person you are most angry at on this earth. Who's hurt you the most. And let me ask you, man, do you really want that person to go to hell? No, think hell. Forever. Are you that angry? Because as angry as you can get, is that what you want? See, I'm not saying that, okay, God, you know, because we believe in this future judgment that we're all excited, they're going to go to the future judgment. God will get them back. God, no, I'm not talking about that. It's that fear of, I don't want God to get them back. I, I mean, as angry as I am, okay, I get that. I, I, got, I got out of hand a little bit. And yes, they wronged me, but do I want that type of punishment for them? No, I don't. See, hell changes everything. The fact that if you read this book cover to cover, you see God's judgment is clearly real. Then he talks about this end judgment, and I go, man, why would I think he's bluffing about that? I don't want anyone to face the undiluted wrath of God as Revelation describes it. His wrath in pure strength, like a, you know, when you dilute alcohol, he's talking about the wrath of God, and you may have tasted some diluted part of it but there's going to come a time with the undiluted wrath of God and I'm sorry as much as people have hurt you I can't imagine you in your heart actually wanting that for anyone and so you forgive because you want them to see the forgiveness of God you know in a second Thessalonians second um, Thessalonians chapter 1 Verse 6, it says this, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Man, that's a terrifying picture, right? I mean, God coming with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. Like, this is why we forgive. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see anyone face that. Now, the truth is, people are going to face it. The truth is, the Bible says, 
Broad is the way to destruction, and many are going to enter through it, and few will find this narrow road that leads to life. That's the truth. But in my heart, it kills me to think of people facing that. So, man, as angry as I am at someone, the fact that God is going to take vengeance, it causes me to go, okay, I've got to pray for this person. I don't want him to face that. I don't want her to face that, and she just doesn't get it right now. Oh, God, please save this person from your wrath. As angry as I got, I don't mean these words. I may have even said go to hell, but I don't ever really mean that. God, I don't want people to. This kills me. See, the sovereignty of God changes everything, and hell changes everything. And Jesus, his example changes everything. Um, The way that he lived, he says in, in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who... You know what? Hold on, hold on, time out. Let me just say something about that last one, um, about hell. You know... I opened a restaurant a couple weeks ago, but before we opened the restaurant, and for those who don't know, I've got this house full of guys that have come out of prison, um, getting their lives together, being mentored, being discipled, some of the godliest men I know now, and uh, out of rehab, and you know they're working you know, in this restaurant, we're working towards opening it. Well, we got robbed a few weeks ago, and uh, several times, they took everything we bought, and so you can imagine these guys that are used to a life of violence. And uh, they get in a car and start hunting this person down, okay? And, uh, but as they're driving and they're heated, like, man, who would steal from the church? Who would this and this? This is, you know. They got convicted as they're driving. And they stop and go, you know what? Let's pray for this person. We don't want them to face the wrath of God. I, and they just started praying. And just started praying for the salvation of this person. And they said, let's find him, but not to do what we would normally do. Um, They said, let's find him and let's tell him we forgive him. And let's find him that maybe this is going to become one of the leaders in our ministry one day. I mean, it's that type of mindset that when they finally did pull up and find the car, for somehow they know how to find cars. And... uh, (laughs) I would never have found these guys, but somehow they just started talking to, you know, and they found, you know, it was just a different response. It wasn't vengeance. It was this fear. And when they saw, one of the guys was telling me, man, when I saw the video, because we captured it all on video, when I saw that guy just grabbing stuff, it made me sick because he thought that was me. I used to be like that. Praise God I'm not like that anymore. We've got to pray for this guy. You, you know, it's that type of... Men- that's Christianity. You get that? You know? <clears throat> and so, now we'll go on. Okay. The example of Jesus in, in, in Luke 6, verse 27. I say to those, to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And and from one who takes away your cloak, 
Do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Okay, that's the standard Jesus asks us to live in, to live under. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Man, that's hard, right? It's easy to be kind to those who are grateful. It's easy to be kind to those that you think deserve it. But what about being kind to the ungrateful and to the evil? Because that's what the Father does. That's what he did for us. It's while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what he's calling us to do. See, we should shock the world by the way we bless. I mean, one of the things I did in my former church after this passage, because again, I don't like generalities. I like concrete. I like action. Do good to those who hate you. I was like, think of someone that hates you right now. Okay, now think of something good you can do for them. Now do it. You know, like, the Bible's very simple to me. It's like, okay, you hate me, you know, here's a new shirt. Um, it's just that it was that simple. I go, think of something you, you value and give it to someone who hates you. Man, I, my family, my kids, my wife, they're better at this than I am. Man, my daughter, high school, heard that message. And two girls that were talking behind her back, she went to American Eagle, bought some gift cards and just handed it to them and say, man, I know maybe I did something that bothered you to where you you know you feel like, I did something wrong to you, but man, I just want you to know I'm sorry for that. And hey, here's just a token of, man, if I ever wronged you in some way. Wow, that's good. My wife, man, got chewed out. I mean, she, she, you know, my next door neighbor swearing at her because someone visited our house and the car was a little bit in there, you know, went into their driveway. That got plenty of room. Come on, you know, and uh, you know, and so here's my wife, you know, pregnant. It's always pregnant, and uh, <laughs> a neighbor starts swearing at her, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," you know, and you know, it wasn't even my wife's fault. It's the lady who visited. Hey, she goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and he. He's just swearing up a storm in front of our kids, everything else. And what is my wife? You know, you get that shaky feeling when someone's swearing at you and she's crying, sorry, 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 you know. And she bakes like a plate full of cookies and goes over to his house. My next door neighbor is like, hey, I'm so... And he just starts swearing at her again. And and she's crying, you know, with this note. I just came to say sorry again and give you these cookies and I don't even know what else to say and just walks back to the house. That's it. And I wish I could say, oh, and that changed him. No, he's still angry, you know, whatever. But you do what you do and it's like, okay, that's it. 
I love those who are ungrateful. And when we first moved to San Francisco, I remember this one time, I wasn't there. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but you know, my wife's waiting for, you know, a, a parking spot, waiting forever, and this person's slowly backing out. She's got her blinker on. And someone cuts, you know, darts in and just looks at her, you know, and she was pregnant at the time and, and had the, you know, five other kids and, and just going, are you kidding me? But calms down and thinks, you know what? Okay, love those who hate you, whatever. Writes a little note, didn't have a gift card, throws five bucks in it, gives it to my daughter and says, hey, go put this on that person's windshield. We're supposed to love those who, uh, who hurt us. And so my daughter's like, okay, mom, you know, and walks over to the car, starts putting this note on the windshield and the owner comes out. So get away from my car, you, you know, this, 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 you know, and my daughter, who's not as sanctified, you know, <clears throat> it's like, hey, this was from my mom, my pregnant mom, whose parking space you took, you know, she was wanting to forgive you and give you a gift. But no, you just said, oh, you took a parking spot from a pregnant woman. Woo, tough guy, tough guy, you know. You know, and I'm hearing the story going, man, if I was there, you know. But it's, it's like I see my wife, you know, and the picture that she paints to the kids, and it should be shocking. Oh, I thought you were going to take vengeance on me. I thought you were writing a nasty note. And for him to open it up and go, hey, sorry, you know, if I got frustrated that you took my spot, but, man, here's five bucks, here's ten bucks, whatever. Uh, man, sorry if I offended you. Um, this is what Jesus did for me. And it's, it's that type of picture where it's like, that doesn't make sense. Even as I share some of those stories, I see some of you like shaking your head like, no, no, you're kidding me. She did not. Yes. See, shocking. That's what I'm saying. It should be shocking because that's what this week is about. This week doesn't make sense. Are you kidding me? So I did that to you. I flipped you off and you sent your son to die on a cross for me. I did all the things you asked me not to. And I even knew they were wrong at that time. And you respond by having your son tortured for me? That is ridiculous. And that's the way we're supposed to live. That's why he says, you do this and you'll be sons of the Most High. See, God was looking at my wife and going, that's my girl. That's my girl. That's what my kids do. They don't take vengeance. They don't hold grudges, because they get it. They were forgiven, and now they're my, that's my girl. Man, it's like when you have a kid, and they, they represent you well. You go, that's my kid. I'm just going to jump to the last one. You know, the last, last thought is the Bible teaches that the truth sets us free. Why do we forgive? Because we believe God's words, God's commands lead to life. Right? You know, it's, it's not, God didn't give us these commands to destroy us. Forgiveness will kill you. I brought, uh, I brought some bricks. Okay? Let's say, uh, let's say Carlton threw this brick at my head. Okay? Guys, just imagine that. Carlton's just sitting there. He just got angry. and He had a brick with him. He threw it at my head. I got a choice at that time, right? 
As I'm hurt, I'm bleeding, my head's spinning, and, you know, the adrenaline's going, maybe it hit my nose. You know when something hits your nose, it's just different. You know, you, you just, you, you're out of control, and it's like, man, he just threw a brick at me. You know, I've got a choice right then. What am I going to do? You know, maybe I, I clean it up and go, hey, I think you dropped this on my face. You know? <laughs> or, what do most of us do? We hold on to it. Right? And we go, okay, I'm going to save this. And I'm going to look at it. And I'm gonna, it, it reminds me how I remember Carlton, stupid Carlton. Man, I think he's an elder. You know, just every time I look at it, I just, all those feelings, you know what I'm talking about. And all those angry feelings keep coming back because it's still right here in your face. Oh, and here's the one Keith threw at me. You know? And, uh, and here's the one from my dad who left me. And you got all this stuff, and you just keep storing them up. Oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. And you ever meet old people that just have a bag full of bricks? And they're just still angry at the world. Man, I remember this. I remember. And it's like they're bragging as they start pulling out bricks from the past. I remember this guy did this to me. I remember this guy did to me. Man, you like those people? It's hard to be around people like that. Because they've been carrying these burdens with them. You know, they're all hunched over. It's like, yeah, I remember this now. You know, and they're just going on and on and on. And it's like they, they're so proud of these bricks they're still holding on to. And they don't realize it's killing them. It's making them miserable and everyone around them miserable. The truth sets us free. It's when we can go, you know what? Here's your brick back, dude. And here's another one, just in case, you know, you need another one. Yeah, maybe you're building something. You know, it's just, I, but I'm not going to hold on and be all, you know, have this, this burden on me for the rest of my life. Man, it's nice to not hate anyone. It feels good to just go, man, I love everyone. I don't want anyone to go to hell. Man, I, I just think God's in control of everything. And so whatever happens to me is cool. And Jesus tells me to do good to those who hate me. And so if someone hates me, I give them something. And it ends the fight. You know, it's, it's weird how you can let go and end it just you by yourself. You don't need the person to reciprocate. God loves the ungrateful and the evil. He does good to them. You know, this is real stuff. And we got to let go of these, this bitterness. You know, not just barely let it go, but in a way that's shocking, because that's what God did for us.